Welcome to Plant Network Podcast, where we talk to horticulturists about their gardens and their careers. Hello and welcome to the Plant Network Podcast. I'm very pleased to be speaking with Tamsin Westhorpe today. Tamsin is a horticulturist, a speaker and a writer who co-chairs the Garden Media Guild, is an RHS judge and a little intimidating for me today, a podcaster who presents Fresh from the Pod for Candide. So Tamsin Gardens at Stockton Berry Gardens and has also recently published a book, Diary of a Modern Country Gardener. So thank you very much for joining me today, Tamsin. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, given your many roles, and I've just highlighted a few of them, and I think there are many more, what would you describe as your main role? Or are you that modern term, a slasher? Oh, I like that term. Um, I would just always say I'm a gardener because that's been my priority. That's what I've always come back to. Anything I do in media or in life in general links back to gardening. So I'm a hands-on gardener would be my first choice. So how did you get into gardening? Is this something that started from a very young age or something that you've just grown into? Well, you know, I, I keep thinking about what was the one thing, but there's several things, I think, that got me into gardening. Um, we grew up in a school in Surrey. My parents ran a boarding school and we lived in the school. So it was quite an unusual upbringing. And in the holidays, we would be sent to Stocktonbury Gardens in Herefordshire and stay with grandparents, so it was lovely. So we had these two very different worlds. And um, whilst we were growing up, so I'm in my, my 40s now, my mid 40s, um, my uncle was creating the garden at Stocktonbury. So I would watch him, you know, building walls and features and planting. And I'm pretty sure that's what got me inspired. Um, but also my parents were brilliant. They've always been so good at just going with whatever we've all wanted to do. And I remember them buying me a greenhouse and growing tomatoes when I was probably about seven. Um, and yeah, the, my mum always jokes that I, she went into the airing cupboard one day and I'd filled all these old yogurt pots with compost and put seeds in them and put them all over her white sheets because it was lovely and warm. So yeah, I think it's been one of those things that um, I've been very encouraged to do. Mum wasn't particularly, you know, a, a fanatical gardener, but she was always doing church flowers and growing roses and strawberries and things like that so yeah I, I think it's a mix and match of both and also when I was a teenager one of the boys in my class I just adored he was gorgeous and he was really keen on horticulture and he always used to come into school with like muddy fingers and I just thought he was amazing. So I thought, oh, I wonder if I start bringing in my tomatoes to school, he'll notice me. He never did. But I think all these little things um, sort of added up to a passion. And one other thing that really recently came back to me is I used to play in Surrey at a, a house called Van. Now, this, this wonderful, beautiful house was used in the film Howard's End. And um, it was owned by Mary Caro. And I was at school with her daughter, Ruth. And I would go back there to play. And I remember once helping them on the gate for the NGS, collecting money. And we, we were only in, you know, junior school. And that is a memory that has stuck with me. And I just thought that was magical. The whole idea of opening 
a garden and raising money and being in that oh that wonderful environment so that has definitely helped me because sadly Mary died recently of coronavirus and the NGS put this beautiful video up of the garden and it I sat on the sofa and I thought oh gosh you know this is this place does play a part in my passion so lots of things as you can hear it sounds like you didn't have much choice really to go into gardening because you were encouraged all the way along which is is lovely it's so lovely to hear how have you got to where you are now What, what kind of career pathway have you taken a very twisting path I would describe it as with lots of bridges and all sorts of things um Yes, I I basically, when I left school at 16, my parents and my family probably thought she's never going to get an A-level. I didn't really thrive at school, if I'm honest. So they sent me to live at Stocktonbury Gardens with my grandparents. And um, they then sent me, I'm sent to a lot of places, you'll pick up on this soon. Because to be honest, it was funny, my son asked me the other day, what did you think you were going to be, mummy, when you were older? And I said, well, I, I didn't think I'd be anything. I, I kind of grew up thinking, well, I'd just marry someone and have a nice garden. Um, so it was quite a shock to realise you have to go and earn some money. So my grandparents sent me to work with John Treasure of Burford House Gardens, who was a cousin of theirs. And he is the amazing clematis, king of clematis, really. And this is where Raymond Everson started his career. So I worked there for a year with him. And he taught me how to weed. He taught me so much, really. And just being in a garden was a wonderful experience. But he was quite elderly and I think possibly had enough of me. So he suggested I went to Sparshot College in Winchester. I thought this was a hideous idea, being sent off. I remember my my mum gave me this sort of wooden trunk. Nobody arrives at college with a wooden trunk, do they? And I was at absolutely terrified um probably only 17 so I signed up for the shortest possible course which was interior landscaping so that's the art of using house plants quickly realized I really didn't want to spend my life going up and down a lift in Barclays International and in Pool, which I did for six weeks um cleaning leaves so and then I also realized that college was actually really good fun so signed up for another two three years um, doing decorative horticulture and from there worked in a parks department as a greenkeeper um, worked in a garden center and then one of my lecturers became an editor of a magazine and I'd stayed in touch with him and he basically said do you want to come and help do you want to be the office dog's body so that's how I got into magazines and uh, I really shouldn't have got into magazines because I think I just got my English GCSE I have no journalism qualifications whatsoever so I made coffee made phone calls sorted out the cabinets and I think learnt by getting things terribly wrong so from there I've danced in and out of magazines back to horticulture lectured at Kingston Warwood College had a garden shop I'm very sort of let's give it a go and I do like to live off my nerves so it's very strange I quite like to be slightly frightened about what I'm doing that's a sort of quick potted history of my 
eclectic life <laughs> but it, it, it's grabbing an opportunity when it's when it's when it's presented to you I think that that's that sounds like what you what you've done I think that is so important um, that people realize that horticulture is so many things you know people look oh gosh I don't want to sit weeding I mean there's a million jobs in horticulture all of which are so exciting and different and varied and I wouldn't want to be in any other um, industry it's just just been wonderful I think you show that your, your career shows and what you're doing now shows that there are so many different things that you can do in horticulture yeah and I think um, where I'm very fortunate now is I'm working for my uncles at Stocktonbury Gardens as a gardener um, and I'm writing freelance alongside that and the two together all my funny things I've done in the past sort of help me with what I'm doing now so yes every, everything you do is useful in the future so tell me a little about your 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 garden the garden that you, you take care of um, do you have a garden team do you rely on volunteers is it just you how, how does it work well it's very much a family business so my uncle's created the garden over the last 40 years we're in the heart of a family farm so we have um, a mixed farm with cattle sheep cider orchards my sister is very much the sort of farmer and I'm the gardener so some days I'll be standing in gates moving sheep and other days I'll be you know spreading manure on the veg patch um, so it's very much a family concern it's four acres we don't employ anyone else so it's just me and my uncles we do occasionally have someone coming in maybe one day a week in the normal world but at the moment we don't have anyone coming in and we also have a lovely gym that mows the lawns for us thankfully we have um, another member of the family that helps us cut back the garden in the autumn so it's very much home very much a family team we don't have volunteers really because my life is so busy and my uncles are very busy on the farm to dedicate time to volunteers is actually harder than it you think you can't just leave people and say get on with it I think if you're having volunteers you owe it to them to to teach them something and be with them really that's true it's, I hadn't realized it was just it was just you and your uncles really doing doing the garden yeah. that, and you do so much else as well that's that's what I'm struggling to understand is how you find the time yeah. well well the tip is that we garden like bilio in the winter so actually now this is not too bad now but um honestly the winter is full-on gardening every day we as soon as the garden closes at the end of September we start cutting back we have to to get it done so I would say to people if you garden just go for it whatever the weather in the winter the summer will be an awful lot easier so is there, is there anything you're working on at the moment whether in the garden or writing or, or whatever that you, you yeah. partic that particularly interests you that that you want to tell people about gosh I'm terrible because I'm, I'm a Gemini and I jump all over the place my brain is so active um, I think a really exciting thing I'm doing we've all had to think differently about how we communicate our passion for horticulture so I'm doing a talk for our local hospice on zoom um, and it's free and it's all about being an RHS judge so I'm hoping people will 
join in and donate to that charity so that's something I'm really excited about and I think my podcasts I love love doing podcasts um, because like you it's just fascinating finding out about other people so that's something I want to want to do more of and I recently interviewed Simon Lysett the royal florist and celebrity florist and that, that was on my wish list. So I'm really happy to tick that off. So that, that was fantastic. I think at the moment, my priority is trying to share the garden through social media, through all other ways. So it's got a bigger reach because we're not open at the moment. We've decided to stay closed, really, because as you can hear, there's so few of us and we've got to prioritise the farm and it's, it's more complicated than people think. So yeah, my priority is to still get the word of the garden out there, encourage people to visit when we open, and just really encourage people to start gardening, keep gardening. This is such an important time for gardening, and we need to keep people's attention. You know, I'm worried that a lot of people have taken it up, and then they might drift away from it. So I hope, I hope that, you know, I can do something to keep people interested. I think that's a very good point is there has been such a huge interest in gardening and it's just keeping that momentum going as people almost get back to their their normal lives. I mean I think we've all realised I mean I was a busy fool and I think we've all been busy fools and you think oh did I need to do that you know maybe you know so I think it it has been good for us in some to some respect to sort of refocus and think gosh, actually, you know, I feel so wonderful having spent more time in the garden. I'm going to carry it on. So let's, let's hope so. So is there anything, I mean, you, you, you've had a career that's evolved, I think is, is a good way of, of putting it. Is there anything you would like to do or like to have done that you haven't done yet? There's always things I'd like to do. I'm terrible. I'd like to get more involved with the RHS in the future. I think it's such a wonderful charity and so important. And I've thoroughly enjoyed being an RHS judge and I am an RHS judge. And it's just such, um, I don't know, it's, it's given me so much satisfaction and I've learned so much and I've met such wonderful people through that. So that's something that I would like to develop. I'd love to write another book. I think to write a book, you have to really be desperate to do it. I mean, this book I've just written, Diary of a Modern Country Gardener, I really, really wanted to do it. So it was great. I don't think I would be able to write a book that I was told to write. So it has to be something in me. I love speaking in public. As you can hear, I can talk. (laughs) So I'd love to do more you know, comparing at shows, interviewing people on stage. I love that. You know, I miss doing my live gardening talks. I do probably 30 a year. And you really get a feeling for what people know. What what I'm missing is not having the garden open and not seeing people in person at talks, is I pick up what the trends are, what the problems are this year. Um, and I, I'm missing that this year. So that's something that I would love to do, continue to do and develop more. Tell me about the favourite bit of, of, of your garden. It's so difficult that, you know, because it really depends on the time of year and what mood I'm in but during the lockdown I would say our dingle garden at the bottom so it's you, you go right the way through the four acres 
and you go down into what was an old quarry which is now a water garden and a woodland area we've got a stream running through it and it was so quiet there because you couldn't hear the road you know the traffic was was non-existent and it was heavenly there's quite a lot of wildlife activity down there so that would probably be my my favorite place that's it as you say when you when you've got a garden at different times of the year in different moods you 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 want to go and spend time in different parts of it Talking about gardens, I wondered whether there are any gardens that you, you've mentioned um, a few as you've been, as yeah. been talking, but I wondered whether there are any others that have really inspired you. You might not even have visited them. Gosh, there's so many because working when I was editing the English Garden magazine, of course, we used to see so many wonderful gardens photographed by brilliant photographers. So it was a, a real treat. So I've probably got so many in my head. The ones that from my youth that I think stuck with me, because I was at Sparshot in Winchester, I'm going to pick a couple of Hampshire gardens, actually. It was Houghton Lodge, which is just stunning. It's uh, just, it's like something out of a Jane Austen movie set. There's a walled garden. It's tidy but not too tidy it's got that romantic feel so I love Houghton Lodge and then near there is Longstock Water Gardens which is run by uh, the John Lewis Partnership and that's a water garden sort of reminiscent of our dingle it's not open that often I don't think it's um, but that is an absolutely stunning garden but there's the obvious ones so I love Sissinghurst because I love the story behind it and I'm a sucker for a garden with an old building in with a fantastic building like Dixter with the house I really really love the combination of an ancient building and a romantic garden You've also mentioned quite a few people who inspired you. I wonder whether there was whether there's anybody else who, who inspired your, your career. Oh gosh, you know, it's so hard because I've been so wonderfully nurtured by so many people. I have to say, um, I don't think I've ever said this, but it's just come to me. I would say the students that I had, the year or 18 months that I was at Kingston Moorwood, they were mainly mature students and I had about 70 So I would teach practical horticulture on a Monday and then do an evening course on a Tuesday. And some of them have just been so wonderful to me. They've stayed in touch via Facebook. I've done talks and they've turned up in a little group. That actually is the most wonderful feeling because when I taught them, I was terrified. I mean, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing here. I can't possibly inspire these people. And they've just really given me a lot of confidence. I know it sounds bizarre, I should be giving them confidence, but the fact that they have, you know, stayed in touch and visited Stocktonbury, yeah, that, that's absolutely wonderful for me. So um, I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's, that is nice to hear as well that the students have inspired you rather than it always just being the other way around. While, while you were the editor of, of the English Garden, did you get a lot of opportunity to, to visit gardens and talk to their owners or was it very much a, a desk bound job? Do you know, it's really interesting. People that they think that when you're editing or writing for a magazine, you just spend your time visiting garden owners, having lovely cups of tea and floating around borders. Um, And sadly, 
that isn't the case because we only had a team of five, I think, at the time. Um, you haven't got the budget to start driving around the countryside. So a lot of the time it would be the gardens would be written by freelancers in that area that know the garden or have a link to the garden. So people expect you to have been everywhere. But, you know, nine times out of ten, you, you are at your desk answering emails. Right. I'm going to take a little little diversion now away from the career aspect and just say that you're stuck on a deserted island. What three plants or other horticultural related equipment might you take with you? Okay. gosh, that's a good question. It's a difficult one. I think definitely my folding pruning saw, because I think that could become that could be quite handy to build and cut wood and, you know, survive so I think you could gut a fish with a pruning saw couldn't you if you had to (laughs) survival instinct kicking in Um, mint the herb mint because I think you'd need some I'm paranoid about cleaning teeth I absolutely it's my thing got to clean your teeth got to clean your teeth so having some mint with that minty taste I think would be great and mint pretty much survives anywhere and I think you could tart up quite a lot of awful food with some mint and then if they would grow some potatoes I mean honestly during the lockdown I realized you can you know you can do a million things with potatoes and life would not be the same without potatoes so those would be my three things I think so that's very practical well is there anything about you that might surprise people Right. Okay. Um, I think I have this, probably what would surprise people is I have a complete fascination with star signs. I'm not very knowledgeable, but I find it amazing. So for example, I'm a Gemini. And when I find out that other people are Gemini, I say, oh gosh, you know, I, I love all that. I love finding connections between people. And my great aunt, who's no longer with us, She was absolutely passionate about them. And I just think it's great fun. I don't know if there's any truth in it at all, but I just think that's rather good fun. The other thing I would say is secretly, I'd love to be a chat show host. I think that would be just awesome. I'd love to be in a big chair with lots of amazing guests and just find, I love finding things out about people that no one else has got out of them. Well, it sounds like you're already doing it, although in the horticultural sphere at at shows and and, and events like that when you're interviewing people. So you're kind of a step there, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I love my plants. I love my garden. It's people, really. And plants connect people and great conversation starters. So, yeah, it is people and plants for me, most definitely. We were just talking as well about about the people aspect and about how the students before inspired inspired you. I just wondered whether you had any advice for somebody who's just entering horticulture. They might have left school. There might be career changes. Is there anything you would suggest that to them based on on your experiences? Yeah, I was actually having this conversation with my son, who's fourteen. We were going for a walk, and he was asking me, you know, how important are GCSEs, Mum? So I had to be very careful answering this question. Hugely important. I don't know that they are we don't want the children to know that I think what the most important thing is in life is to know what you want to do and to stick to it and do anything connected to it 
if you're the most fantastic gardener, but you don't show your passion and you're not prepared to give things a go, are you going to be that successful? I don't know. So I think it's a lot to do with experimenting, volunteering, just keep going with your dream. You know, everyone, my, my friends thought I was mad wanting to be a gardener, but you just got to stick to it. Um, don't focus on money. You're not, never going to earn a fortune being a, a horticulturalist. So what? It's a fabulous lifestyle. Stick to your guns, get all the experience you can, make connections with people. The most important thing, I mean, my late father told me, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I think that is really, really important. And take the time to talk to people. You know, everyone you meet has probably got someone to, something to offer you. And that is what is so wonderful about being in the Garden Media Guild that I co-chair with Constance Craig Smith is that she and I have made the most wonderful connections in the industry. I think the other thing I've learned recently is you can look at the industry and think, oh, we're all in competition with each other. Well, I don't think we are. I just think there's room for everyone to do their thing in their own way. And if you help everyone out, they'll help you. It's like a sort of domino effect. You mentioned as well, and I mentioned it in the intro about the, the Garden Media Guild. Could you just say a little bit about what, what the guild is and what it does? Yes, of course. So the Garden Media Guild is a group of um, writers, photographers, anyone in the media world. So podcasters, YouTubers, anyone that's trying to share their passion for horticulture. And to become a full member, you have to be making a substantial part of your living from that so it's you 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 are accepted in because you've you've sort of proved your worth and it's a networking opportunity really well thank you very much Tamsin for speaking with me today I've, I've learned a lot and uh, a lot about you which is good and also just yeah some good advice so thank you well thank you for having me it's been fun